Welcome to Healthy and Happy, a program sponsored by the East Jamaica Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and aired right here on NCUFM. It is your education and, yes, your wellness station, 91.1, 91.3, and 91.5, only on your FM dial. We're looking forward to another exciting and intriguing week. But before we get started, we're going to be taking a little break. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Thank you for keeping it locked to Healthy and Happy right here on NCUFM, your education and wellness station. It's NCU 91.13 and 5. And of course, it's your program Healthy and Happy sponsored by the East Jamaica Conference of Seventh-day Adventists. Now, I am so happy. I am so delighted because I know that the topic that we're focusing on today, you are going to be absolutely intrigued by it. And of course, get ready to be informed as well. Last week, we started a three-part series series on issues of the skin. We dealt with a common skin issue. Yes, many of you face it. Eczema, we looked at it last week. And this week, it's time for our second in the three-part series of the skin. This time, we're going to be focusing on, drumroll please, hair loss. Yeah. So for those of you who are, you know, you're, you're losing your hair and you're, you're crying cats and dogs, you, you, you don't know what to do. This is the program for you to listen to. And of course, we're going to be learning the intricacies about the hair. Joining me on the phone is Dr. Lorena Muir-Green, dermatologist, and she is in Western Jamaica. Doc, good evening. How are you? Good evening. Thank you for having me again. I'm doing quite well today. Thank you. And I hope all is well with you. Absolutely. It is. It is. You know, I know you are in the West and I'm in the East, but we're connected by technology. God be praised for that. No, hair loss. It's an interesting topic. I mean, I see people aging and I see changes with their hair. And I'm here thinking to myself, my head is now full, but is there going to come a time when I don't have much? And it's, it's a scary thought. Doc, it's a very, very scary thought, but hopefully you can help to alleviate the fear (laughs) and concerns that I have and so many of our listeners have as well. But let's get into it. What really is the hair? How come we're tying hair to skin? So hair is an actual outgrowth of skin, just like the nail. When you're actually developing as a fetus, it is part of the whole development of the skin itself. And what happens is that when you are in the womb, you actually have very fine downy hair all over your body, Mm -hmm. which is called lanuga hair. And when you're born, that hair goes and is replaced by velous hair, which is a type of immature hair. These are fine hairs that are not pigmented and they're all over the body. And then uh, some hairs become terminal hair, which is the actual hair that we look at and appreciate as hair in the sense of hair on the head, hair on the beard, the chest, the armpits, the groin area. Those are what we call terminal or adult-like hair. And as such, you are more able to appreciate them and hair on the legs and arms and elsewhere. Mm, Let's talk a little bit about the purpose of hair. I figure one of the purposes may be to keep us warm, but are there others? 
From the genetic perspective, not that much. Interestingly, there's a whole complex integration. If you get a wound, the signals from the hair can actually help the wound to heal. It's a quite complex story, mm-hmm. but there's actually a greater integration than we think. But in terms of from a societal perspective, it is more important because different hairstyles determine your class in society, mm-hmm. especially when you are like more tribal societies and or ethnicities in certain races, they will wear their hair in a different way. So you can know that that person is from a different tribe because of how they carry their hair. And they also will show a lot of persons, whether or not the age of the person, Mm -hmm. there are a lot of places where the children don't grow their hair a certain way or they cut off their hair and then they don't start growing until a certain age. Even in Jamaica, and also I found that Ghanaians do this, we have this thing about not cutting off the hair until the child starts to talk. That is all from a societal perspective, really and truly. Mm -hmm. You you talk about the societal perspective of hair and, you know, I'm here Mm -hmm. wondering because I am proud of my African heritage, you know. But mm-hmm. a lot of times I see my African brothers and sisters who are <laughs> Jamaicans, naturalized Jamaicans, actually trying to change the structure and the makeup of the hair. So in other words, my hair, it's kinky because I'm black, you know, and mm-hmm. it's intended to grow up, not down. But mm-hmm. what society says is it looks more beautiful if I have it grow down. What are your thoughts on that aspect of hair and even how it relates to our self-worth as a nation, as a race, as a people? Well, of course, our historical aspect with enslavement of African people, the whole social construct around race has made it such that all other races who have straighter hair or curlier hair Mm -hmm. are considered more attractive. And that is deliberately done because, I mean, how are you going to all of a sudden give people who you are enslaving freedom and all the same benefits that you have? It doesn't happen overnight. So that was a deliberate thing to, you know, First of all, say that you are not human, so you have to make the person not be human Mm. in order to enslave them. And then talk about the whole beauty of the person so that they always feel inferior in your presence. Mm -hmm. And so you will have those thoughts and have persisted despite slavery ending over 100 years ago. Mm-hmm. It's not going to end overnight. Right. The caste system in India was ended some time ago, but it's a 3,000-year construct, mm-hmm. social construct. So all of a sudden, the people who were considered higher in the caste system over there are not going to see themselves equal to the Dravidians. It's just not going to happen overnight, even though on paper, mm-hmm. it says that we're all equal. Yes. Now, in terms of persons seeing how they see themselves you actually have to train yourself to love yourself so this whole self-esteem it comes from your parents parents have to use more positive words with respect to Mm -hmm. hair instead of saying like oh your hair favor kaya or your hair look like peppercorn all of those things you know it's very destructive mm-hmm. right and then you, you you praise somebody who has curlier hair and you go on and on and you call it pretty hair mm. i nice i remember it. in high school yeah saying to people no don't describe it as pretty because pretty is just a description mm-hmm. it hasn't exactly you haven't told me what the person has mm-hmm. i can consider somebody with kinky hair pretty yes. right and i would tell that to people i would say to them tell me what the person's hair is like because you haven't described anything to me. So that whole aspect, you have to actually actively work against that Mm -hmm. in order to build 
better self-esteem in persons. Now, there are persons who are going to always continue wearing their hair straight for whatever reason. I mean, we've gone through before Black Power with the whole Afros and wearing Afro wigs, especially in the 60s. But then everybody went back to relaxers and Jerry Curl and all of these things. Now we're seeing more persons more than ever wearing their hair natural and freely. Yes. And there's actually a reduction in the number of persons purchasing relaxer kits. Mm -hmm. So they've noticed that over time. But I think more persons are now embracing themselves and appreciating how they can style their hair and not feeling that they have to subscribe to a certain look in order to feel attractive. Yeah, you know, I'm listening to you and I'm thinking, even right here in Jamaica, there's hair for every season. There's hair for every occasion. You have black hair, you have green hair, you have orange hair, you have... uh, And I mean, I'm not making political inferences now, (laughs) but there's hair for every season, readily accessible and available. If you want a particular look, you can get it. If it is that you're not comfortable in your skin, as in your self-worth or your confidence isn't where you necessarily want it to be, where wearing your natural hair is concerned, can get here from anywhere and you can put it on but there are some factors though there are some factors even as we look at hair loss there are some factors that contribute to hair loss what are some of them so you have your own inherent genetic factors such as your female or male pattern hair loss a lot of people call it male pattern balding that is inherited from either your mother or your father's side and the number of genes that you inherit determines how thin you go. So a lot of men who start from very early, it means that they inherited a lot of hair loss genes from both sides of the family. Mm-hmm. So with women, they don't really go bald per se. They usually get thinned out with female pattern hair loss over the years. That's the inherent one that we see mm-hmm. for both sexes. What happens though in Black people though, especially, is that we get a lot of scarred alopecia. So with regular female pattern hair loss and male pattern hair loss, the scalp is okay looking, nothing not wrong with it. You don't get any tenderness in that text. And it may get a little dandruff here and there. Nothing that looks very untoward or look a little bit scary. What happens with us is that we get a lot of scarring alopecia. You can get it from discoid lupus, which is a specific type of skin lupus. Mm-hmm. Or you can get scarring alopecia, other types of scarring alopecia, such as central centrifugal cicatricial alopecia, folliculitis decalvans, and some other ones where they get a lot of pus bumps in the scalp. The scalp is tender. Sometimes the scalp is red. Sometimes they feel crawling sensations in the scalp. It's burning. It is quite itchy. Sometimes it can get severe flaking in the air. And it's usually not all over the scalp. It's usually just in the areas that is affected. And typically, that's usually the crown or the top of the scalp. Mm -hmm. And it's very off-putting, so to speak, because the scalp doesn't feel the same way as before. And because it's a scarring alopecia, it's like a fire on the head. And you need to open that fire quickly because if you don't, the hair goes. And it's highly unlikely for it to grow back, especially if you've had the hair loss for more than 10 years. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what's the recommendation for persons who face circumstances like those? Scarring alopecia, losing hair. You have a hair loss practice, Doc. What's the recommendation? The the, the recommendation is seek help immediately, as soon as possible, Mm -hmm. because you actually need to go on oral anti-inflammatory medication and sometimes as along with topical and sometimes other things that we usually implement in order to help the hair to grow back. So hold on, hold on. You're saying that hair can grow back if you have scarring alopecia? 
it can grow back if it's that that treatment as early as possible. Wow. But some people may not, yeah, sometimes you may not even recognize that you're having alopecia. Right. A lot of persons just think, oh, my head, it just, they they realize that they're losing their hair, Mm -hmm. but they don't realize how serious it is until they come in and they're like, it's highly unlikely for the hair to grow back and they're quite despondent and start to cry and it's, it's, it's a lot of hand-holding and especially patients who didn't realize how serious it was to seek help early. Yeah. So, yeah. Doc, talk to me now because th- this thing sounds a little, it's it's very serious. I mean, you, uh-huh. you spoke about the positive connotations that, you know, the hair brings, especially as it relates to self-worth, self-value, all of that. I'm thinking if I'm losing my hair, I come into you to get help. It's perhaps a little bit too late. There's an emotional process too that an individual goes through when they recognize that their crown of glory is now being lost. Yes. How is that process for you? And how do you walk your patients through uh, that, that process? From a medical perspective, we know that the quality of life index which is basically it shows how much your life is affected by your disease. Hair loss and skin diseases actually trump diseases like diabetes and hypertension because you can't see them, mm-hmm. right? You can go about your business and nobody knows that you have diabetes. With hair loss, people are standing up staring at you, going, and people feel very self-conscious thinking, you know, everybody can see that my, my hair is thinning out really badly. People start to comment on, but how, how are your balls off? What's going on? You get old, man. Mm-hmm. And people in Jamaica are not exactly the most. Tactful. Um, <laughs> yes. They, they, they just tell it like it is and you just feel quite acutely aware of what is going on. And you already know this, but they need to point it out. Mm-hmm. And so... With patients, they actually get quite depressed about their hair loss. Mm. Very depressed. Not necessarily to the point of suicidal thoughts or anything like that. But they feel less attractive. They feel less worthy. Which is why hair loss is big business. You have all these men. uh, I mean, black men in general just tend to just shave off their hair. But other races like, you know, Indians and whites. When I worked in Canada, more men than women came for their male pattern hair loss. Mm -hmm. I mean, they were there because, you know, it changes the shape or the frame of your face. Right. And, And so you feel quite you know, like something is missing. Mm-hmm. While in Jamaica, what a lot of men tend to do is just cut off the hair. Black. Most black men tend to do mm-hmm. is just cut off the hair or shave it low. But not everybody have the greatest looking head <laughs> to carry that hairstyle. <laughs> so it does affect them that way. Now with the women now, women are greatly impacted by hair loss, mm-hmm. even more so than men. By far and, and, you know, they feel like, okay, I, I'm not feeling as confident as before. And they feel very, quite dependent on wigs. Mm -hmm. and weaves to cover up so that people don't know that they're losing their hair and they almost feel ashamed because they feel like something about them is now gone it's a part of your womanhood yeah yeah Mm -hmm. yeah yeah but i mean tell me though doc uh, there must be a way to slow this down well there is a way there are lots of treatment options and it all depends on what is causing your hair loss Mm -hmm. no there are persons who with the Male and female pattern hair loss, we usually start them on topical minoxidil or Rogaine. That's the brand name, but they have the other generics to that. 
it can also have topical saw palmetto. I know that they sell sell that over the counter. A lot of products I've seen with saw palmetto and some other stimulants like your ginger and capsaicin and those things that from pepper, mm-hmm. which help to stimulate hair growth. Right. A lot of persons, usually when they've already tried that before they come to see me. We don't have a lot of minoxidil out here. Mm-hmm. It's not widely available at all pharmacies, but I know for like those herbal preparations with the saw palmettes, etc., a lot of persons would have already started using those. Of course, there's the biotin. Everybody has tried biotin mm-hmm. um, when they've already come to see me. But when I go through and figure out what is causing their problem, I do an extensive history with them. I then figure out whether or not the hair loss is from the actual scalp itself or they're having hair shedding. So the hair, when they comb in the hair, they see a big ball of hair coming out. Right. And it's a whole lot more than they usually normally see. And then we say, okay, we'll have to do blood tests to check to see what is causing it. Some of the things that could be causing that include your low iron count mm-hmm. and low um vitamin d and mm-hmm. that is very common almost all my patients are vitamin d deficient wow um zinc some of my patients have had zinc deficiency mm-hmm. and some have thyroid issues mm-hmm. and so we I tend to do a lot of blood tests to see what is going on and then if it's a non-scarring versus scarring we start depending certain medications if it's scarring i have to actually give you anti-inflammatory tablets usually anti-inflammatory antibiotics such as doxycycline or hydroxychloroquine which we use a lot for lupus and those things Mm -hmm. those have been used for scarring alopecia and what people say as soon as they started the tingling that they were getting the tenderness the itching Mm -hmm. the burning goes away and then it starts to see some hair growth coming in Mm -hmm. um sometimes i give them injections in the scalp sometimes we do other um you just said injection in the scalp yes injections in the scalp anti-inflammatory injections Mm -hmm. we can add in platelet-rich plasma which is one of the newer things in our armamentarium to treat hair loss that's where we take your old blood Mm -hmm. and you spin it down and you take out the platelets we concentrate the platelets and take them out now the platelets have a lot of growth factors and when we inject it into the scalp it actually stimulates hair growth and it works quite well they've done many studies on it it's just that we haven't quite figured out the best combination of how fast the spin versus one step process versus a two-step process Mm -hmm. but invariably it does work and we also may do may do microneedling which is one of the newer things that we have in medicine with respect to rejuvenation of the skin because we use that in like scars mm-hmm. of um, like you know burn scars it has actually helped the skin to look better so it's a it's kind of similar idea because it releases the growth factors when you do the microneedling mm-hmm. and we also there are other things of course like the hair transplantation which i haven't started doing as yet in jamaica but it does work Wow. Um, that tends to work mostly with people with non-scarring alopecias, mm-hmm. um, which is your male and female pattern. The those with scarring alopecia have to you have to wait until at least a year of no medication and nothing is going on before you start because if you cut into the skin, mm-hmm. it will start up again. So we usually do that for mainly persons with non-scarring alopecia with your male pattern hair loss or persons with scarring alopecia, like traction alopecia, 
mm-hmm. where you have to actually replace the hair. The donated hair from the back of your scalp mm-hmm. is donor dominant, so it will continue to grow. It doesn't act; it's not affected by the hormones that causes the female and male pattern hair loss. Boy, Doc, you're saying some holy but interesting stuff. Earlier, you mentioned the platelet-rich plasma, where the platelets would have been used to stimulate hair growth. And I'm saying, if I recognize that in my family, you know, um, there is that kind of trajectory and tendency for members of my family to lose hair by the time they get to a particular age, then why not just take on that? Since I'm at a good old ripe tender age, I could just probably take on that and it will prevent me from losing my hair when I get to the stage where I should have lost hair. What are your thoughts on that? Well, the only issue is that you don't know how you will age. So just because <laughs> you're, we've had generations skipped, like one generation is skipped. People will say, you know, my parents don't have any issues, but my grandparents had issues. Right. So you can't really tell if you are going to actually start thinning out really badly. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's better to just start when you see something, you know, when you, when you, notice that the, the 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 widening of the parts when you, you make a part in the scalp and they say okay it's looking too wide mm-hmm. then you can start at that point but it doesn't make sense to if everything is good and dandy mm-hmm. to start up for cause first of all these these procedures are not cheap right and it takes up time and effort and all of those things and you know people are afraid i need out here Oh. <laughs> well, thanks for reminding me about that part. <laughs> but um, for those of you who are just tuning in, we are almost at the end of a wonderful discussion. I'm having a discussion with Dr. Lorena Muir-Green. She is a dermatologist and we're talking here loss today. I mean, you know, if it's totally up to me, I'd say let's do another part, you know, of hair loss. But um, there's just so much to get in. You know, Doc, I'm thinking well, to myself, that chronic diseases, right? Other diseases like diabetes, hypertension, when people are asked how these can be prevented, easy responses, go exercise, go have a good diet, eat a good diet, uh, ensure that you pay attention to the laws of health and all of that. When it comes to um, you here, you can be exercising, eating properly, but it just, it, it still goes. And um, what are some ways that we can really and truly keep our hair healthy and prevent it from getting to that stage? Well, firstly, for hair loss, from male or female pattern hair loss, we it's a genetic disease and we don't have any genetic therapy for it. So, it's not that you can do anything to just stop it. Um, we have um, medication that you can take for it or both oral and topically, um, but it, there's nothing to prevent it, so to speak, because you actually have to work from a, a genetic level to stop it from happening. Mm-hmm. Now, mm-hmm. with respect to things that you do, ensure that you have a balanced diet. I mean, that's always necessary. Have a good amount of protein. Make sure you have your vegetables and what have you in order to get your good amount of iron. And you ensure that you, because we know our diet is very, very not so hot nowadays. Everybody's mm-hmm. a KFC line long like I don't even know. <laughs> yeah, People are not exactly being very, you know, good with their diet and, mm-hmm. and you're not if you know that your diet is not up to par at least go on do some you know take right. back 
multivitamins to top up. Exercise is always good in general for your good health in general. People love to talk about scalp massages and how that, that will stimulate the hair growth because it, when you massage the skin, you stimulate the capillaries and stuff to dilate and more blood is brought into the area. That mm-hmm. helps to some extent. So some people do that. I mean, you can consider that if you want. Um, but the most important thing is this, your hairstyling. No, this is the most important thing in Black societies because... Mm-hmm. We, are ve- we have very lovely, intricate hairstyles. Right. Other races, we do a lot of stuff with our hair. And uh, the whole element of traction ele- alopecia is a serious thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, everybody, you see a lot of women with the side of their head peel out and they're right. still going strong with the weave. Right. And you're like, you need to stop. Um, <laughs> and uh, But it has to do with... You know, they're trying to wear the weave to hide that the hair is, they're losing the hair. Mm-hmm. And then it, it actually worsens the situation. I would tell people, if you're going to wear weave, if you're going to wear a wig or what have you, or if you're going to do even cane roll. I mean, a lot of persons, I know some children who their parents cane roll their hair every week and then right. they put it out again. But because it's so tight, they start losing the hair. Mm-hmm. They see mm-hmm. the actual signs where... You actually see the little bumps along the hairline, and that is early traction alopecia. Mercy. Mercy. Uh, right. So those are the things that you have to think about. Things that you do to your hair, mm-hmm. things that you take in with respect to your diet in order to help to boost the hair, hair growth. Yeah. You know, Doc, I, I am out of time, but I have two very important questions. So I want you to try and answer them quickly for me. Gray hair. Like, I can't leave this conversation without asking about gray hair. Is it is it like healthy hair? Because <laughs> I realize I see one to the side of my head and then I see another one pop up. It's like they, they, they decide to just come in in pairs until they just kind of take over. Is it a sign that you're really getting old? Is it is it stress? What is it? Is it genes? What? Talk to me. So the persons who actually get them early, that is more a genetic issue. But though, um, as you get older, the, the melanin production just goes. In the hair itself, your hair starts, starts to go gray. And there has been a correlation with stress. Hmm. Stress worsens it, and, and, and therefore they get more gray hairs when you're more stressed out. <laughs> All right, Doc. Thanks it's for telling me that one. <laughs> Thanks for telling me that one. So melanin, okay. Um, yeah. And finally, what about uh, color, chemicals, and we're talking about hair color now, chemicals, applied heat and certain kinds of uh, water being used in the hair? Like how do these things impact in a negative way our hair? Well, those actually weather your hair more. So weathering is the use, the elements affecting the hair as well as the things that you do to your hair. So when you do your flat iron, you actually take out water out of the hair. When you do your dye or if you relax the hair, what happens is that the bonds are permanently rearranged in the hair, it's hair shaft itself, and that makes it inherently weaker than the actual natural hair itself. Mm-hmm. And as such, you actually have to treat your hair more gently. But people have this tendency to be like, they think that the hair is some wire or something like that that can sustain all sorts of stuff. You actually have to be more gentle. You actually have to use more conditioning, like deep conditioners, especially moisturizing, as well as protein conditioners. The protein conditioners are the ones, deep conditioners are the ones that have some sorts of protein high up on the ingredients list. Mm-hmm. And those are supposed to help to 
prevent a lot of breakage from the stuff that you've done to your hair. Mm, Dr. Lorenia Muir Green, such a stimulating discussion on hair loss. Wow. The hair was our focus this evening on healthy and happy. And we're so delighted that you took time out of your schedule to join us uh, for this broadcast. Thank you so very much. Are there any parting words that you have before we go? I would like to say to people, baby, your hair, mm-hmm. baby, Mercy. It, and it will, it will grow. <laughs> Treat it the less you do to it, the more it will grow. Wow, wow. The less you do to your hair, the more it will grow. Thank you, Doc. Uh, Words of uh, wisdom there coming from Dr. Lorenia Muir-Green. It was indeed uh, my pleasure to have brought you another episode of Healthy and Happy. And of course, this is the second in our series of issues related to the skin, issues of the skin. Hair loss was our focus. Next week, we're going to be focusing on another intriguing and interesting topic. And uh, you'll have to tune in to find out what it is. On behalf of our exciting, (laughs) did I say exciting? On behalf of our hardworking production team right here at the East Jamaica Conference of Seventh-day Adventists and at NCUFM. And a very special way I want to thank our engineer, Brandon Daly. And of course, continue to keep up the good work, Brandon. Elder Castell, blessing to you and of course to the rest of the team. Doc, thanks again and until next week. I'm Adise Jonas Murphy. God's richest blessings.
I could hold 